You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, everyone from San Francisco. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Tonight, I'm joined by my good buddy, fellow South Stands contributor, Paige Van Horn from Denver. Uh, Tonight, we're going to take a second crack at breaking down Ohio State's 2020 schedule page. You and I went through this exercise once already back in mid-May. Uh, but this morning, the Buckeyes revised uh, COVID-19 impacted schedule was just released. Um, and as our listeners probably know, Ohio State's non-conference tilts with Bowling Green, Oregon, Buffalo, all canceled. The Buckeyes will instead play a 10-game conference-only slate, which includes the nine Big Ten opponents that were already on the original schedule as well as the addition of a trip to the haunted house known as ross aid Stadium to play the Purdue Boilermakers. By the way, PVH, how you doing, man? I'm great, buddy. How are you? Good uh, to good, see you. Good to see you, man. Good to be with you. Um, okay, a few housekeeping notes. I just want to get these out of the way, and then we'll, we'll have a look at the schedule. Uh, I, I think it's worth mentioning, uh, after the, the Big Ten schedules were released, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren said in a piece from Nicole Arbach on The Athletic, and I'm going to quote him here, Even though we have a schedule and we have student athletes working out on our campuses, it is not a guarantee that we will have a football season or that we'll even have fall sports. Releasing a schedule does not mean that we're just pushing forward and ignoring all the medical protocols and procedures. We've made it very clear that if and when we get to the point where it's not in the best interest of our student athletes and our Big Ten community from a health and safety standpoint to have sports in the fall, regardless of what the sport is, we won't do it, end quote. So uh, Warren laying it down right there. I think we're all pretty aware of the environment that we're in, right? This is all very tentative, subject to change, but I thought I'd put that out there. That's what Warren said. Big Ten uh, Athletic Director Gene Smith basically said the same thing in as many words, all very tentative. But there is some good news. The Buckeyes will begin fall camp tomorrow. That's Thursday, August 6th. That's a day earlier than originally scheduled. And that's because Ohio State's opening the season a little earlier than than originally planned. That's a Thursday night, September 3rd game uh, with Illinois. We'll get into that matchup in a little bit. So they're entitled to begin fall camp a little earlier. Yesterday, Ohio State named its team captains for the 2020 season. They are star quarterback Justin Fields, cornerback Sean Wade, offensive lineman Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers, linebackers Tuff Borland. He's a three-time captain. Six-year senior Justin Hilliard, also a linebacker. He's been around the program for a while, had to deal with injuries. He's a captain. And finally, defensive end Jonathan Cooper, who returns for his fifth year with the program. Paige, what do you think about that group, by the way? You got any thoughts on that group of captains? I'm stunned. I didn't know. He's a three-time captain? Three-time captain. Has that ever happened in (laughs) a high state history? There are some other three-time captains. I, I, I don't know them off the top of my head, but it's a pretty rare honor. Wow. Wow. Crazy. I, I mean, again, yeah, it just adds to the anomaly that is tough Borland. Right? Like, it, just <laughs> <Totally>. can't. <laughs> I, it really is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's not, he's not Ryan Shazier. He's, you know, he's not Chris Spielman yet. He's a three-time cat. It's, it is one of the weirder freaking Buckeye stories of the last decade. I like, mean, yeah. I, it really is. I mean, somebody who's played as much as he did entering his fourth season as a starter He's not going to get anywhere near the record books in terms of, you know, tackles. But as you know, when in our conversation with Doug Maurice at Cleveland.com, he said he's a good, solid winning player. He's a coach on the field. He gets them lined up correctly. 
And, you know, when plays get to the outside, there are other athletes that can chase down the ball. I'm not, I'm still not convinced that, that, you know, that, that Borland is the answer at middle linebacker, especially now with all the losses they've had on defense. But that maybe that's a conversation for another day. We've kind of already yeah. broken that down. Yeah. Personally, I like what I saw from the captains. I, I, I think it's great that our three best players, and that's Fields, Wade, and Wyatt Davis, are all team captains. I mean, I think that's a sign of a really healthy program when you have your three best, most talented players, and they're also captains. I think that speaks to not only who they are as young men, but also the player development, you know, how they're developing these kids, both, you know, mentally and, you know, kind of on the field. So I thought that was a really good sign. A couple more tidbits, then we'll get started on the schedule. A group of more than a thousand Big Ten players under the hashtag Big Ten United submitted their list of demands for the 2020 season through the Players' Tribune, much like the Pac-12 players did. And they're almost entirely related to player well-being and safety around COVID-19. So very different uh, list, very different kind of tone to the letter. We don't have a ton of time to dive into that tonight. If you're interested in reading about it, learning about it, head over to the Players' Tribune if you want to learn more about that. Finally, yesterday we learned that Minnesota star receiver Rashad Bateman is opting out of the 2020 season. And then shortly thereafter, it was reported that Penn State star linebacker Micah Parsons will also be opting out. If that's true, that's a devastating loss for Penn State. On the other hand, LSU star receiver Jamar Chase just announced today that he's all in for the 2020 season. And as things stand right now, no Ohio State players have indicated that they're going to be opting out. Now, that could change, of course, depending on how the season unfolds. But for now, Ohio State expects to have its full complement of star players for the 2020 season. Paige, I've got a question for you. What would you set as the over-under on Ohio State players opting out this season? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I mean, over under. Over under. I mean, we're both expecting a stoppage of play at some point, right? I mean, I, I I certainly am. I don't know if you are, but it's reasonable to expect postponements, delays. If that occurs, uh, what do yeah. you think? Man, that's a loaded question. I, <laughs> uh, I would answer it this way. If we go back into fantasy land for All a right. second, right? <laughs> and let's just say that we have a full season, which I don't think we're going to have. I right. don't think that's going to happen. But let's just say that by some miracle, we get that. I would say the over under to your question is three. Three. Um, yeah. And I would actually take the under on that. And what I was thinking about was, you know, um, like for Parsons and um, Bateman. Bateman from from Minnesota, you know, what goes into that decision? And it's really, you know, are, are you playing for something more than just yourself and your draft status or your draft stock or where you're going to be? And, right. and I think those guys are pretty cemented mm -hmm. as legitimate first rounders. So what that tells, tells me is that they don't think they could actually beat a high state and win a Big Ten championship yeah. and win a national championship. Right. So why am I going to do this? <laughs> Whereas Justin Fields is like, you know, it'd be pretty cool to win yeah. a national championship or some level of, you know, some championship along the way. And that's why I think Ohio State guys are, are maybe less inclined to, to opt out of a season. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. You know, there was an interesting quote yesterday. I don't know if you saw it. They did interview the captains over Zoom. And there was a quote. I, I don't have the direct quote here in front of me, but basically Justin Fields was asked about Bateman and, and Parsons opting out. And he said, well, you know, They've got to do what's best for them. He's like, I'm in a different situation. My family's in good shape. They've taken care of me. We're pretty well off. 
Um, I'm a competitor. Uh, I'm not in a hurry to, you know, go make a buck, right? He's he, clearly, he's at Ohio State to, uh, to, to do more than just uh, prepare for the NFL draft, right? I think what yeah. his legacy, what he does at Ohio State matters. And actually, that's something that Jim Trestle really established there, I think, was getting kids while they're there to, to believe what they do while they're in Columbus, while they're wearing that uniform matters. The legacy they leave behind matters. And I, I think we're seeing that we're seeing that here as well. Now, hey, look, I mean, maybe if this were a huge rebuilding year for Ohio State and yeah, they, they didn't have national championship aspirations, it'd be different. But I tend to agree yeah. with you. I'd take the under on three. Yeah. 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 Well, and at the end of the day, playing football is fun, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that gets lost in a lot of this. Like, it's a great sport. It's fun. Um, and and that coupled with the fact of the sour taste they have to have in their mouths oh, yeah. from you know the last game of last season, they want another bite out of the apple. There's no question about it. Yeah. So I you know I, I totally see that whole team you know wanting to play the season you know regardless of you know what's coming down the pipe with COVID. And I think that's the I think that's the difference with you know it's it, it doesn't surprise me the kid you mentioned from LSU same reason yeah right I mean come on like the team's stacked it's loaded you know they're playing for a championship they're at the highest levels of college football um, they want to play yeah yeah now it was encouraging to hear actually I it kind of lifted my spirits a little bit to hear the Ohio State captains talk um, you know I was also thinking that maybe this part of that mentality is they feel pretty well cared for there. And yeah. that Ohio State has a plan and they're doing what they need to do to look after those uh, those young men while they're there. So uh, really good to hear and see. Okay. Well, look, let's turn our attention to the Ohio State schedule. Um, we're looking at now 10 conference games beginning on September the 3rd. I'm just going to run down the schedule real quick. Boom, boom, boom. And uh, and then Paige, I'll, I'll get your opinions uh, on some of these games. September 3rd, season opener at Illinois. September 12th, home against Rutgers. September 19th, a trip to Purdue to face off with the Boilermakers. That was the one addition to the schedule, the, the Big Ten schedule. September 26th, home against Indiana. October 3rd is one of three open dates on the schedule. October 10th, Nebraska at home. October 17th at Michigan State. That's the one game that that kept the original date. Uh, Michigan State was, was scheduled to play Ohio State in East Lansing on the 17th on the original schedule. October 24th, this is controversial here. I know you've got some opinions about this one. Home against Michigan. This is the first time since 1942. Uh, Ohio State and Michigan will not be the season finale. October 31st at Maryland. November 7th, the big one in Happy Valley at Penn State. November 14th, another open date. November 21st in the shoe. This is the season finale if all the games play out as scheduled against Iowa. And the November 28th, another open date should Ohio State need to use it. The Big Ten Championship game is scheduled tentatively for December the 5th with flexibility to hold that game as late as December 19th if needed. Uh, before we dive into the game by game, any macro level thoughts on the schedule that you want to you wanna share? Yeah, you, you teeing me up on that. Um, <laughs> of course. Right. So like if, if I'm king, right, if you're king and you're starting to build this schedule. And let's just be honest, Ohio State is king. It makes no earthly fucking sense to me <laughs> how they are playing that game on October 24th. And so we kind of went back and forth and argued about this, right, right? right? And you're like, it's fine, it's okay. <laughs> and you're right, it is fine, it is okay. But this is, a, this is just a unique situation. And I just don't understand 
why you don't use this as an opportunity and it, to come out of the gates blazing. I mm-hmm. mean, you have an opportunity that I honestly believe, right, that if Ohio State is playing Michigan in week one or week two, it would get the biggest rating of that game in the last 25 years for two reasons. Number one, contrary to what you think, the, ma- the rivalry still does matter, <laughs> right? It does. I'm sorry, but it's still, it might be on life support, but it still matters. And number two, there is such a pent-up demand or just a desire to see sports again. That's true. Like, why wouldn't you use this opportunity to make, I mean, they're your two marquee schools. Mm-hmm. There's just, it's not arguable. Have them play each other in the first week or the second week, as opposed to just some random week on October 24th. And furthermore, you're just making it that more likely that they aren't going to play if the season goes to hell on a handbasket because of COVID nine weeks from now or nine weeks from the start of the season. It just seems to me like it's a missed opportunity. And I don't know why they wouldn't take advantage of it. Hmm. I mean, you could do whatever you want, Big Ten. But no, we're going to open up. And yeah, it's cool. Like Illinois at a night game, I'm in. Rutgers week two, make that Michigan. (laughs) It just makes no earthly sense to me why you wouldn't take advantage of that situation. It's teed up for you. Yeah. All right. Okay. This is a strong take. I like it. Um, Yeah. I'm so hard up for college football. I'm just excited that we've got a new schedule to look at and football to talk about and a fall camp starting tomorrow. I'm not as preoccupied with the Michigan where Michigan falls on the schedule is you. Uh, other fans are upset that it's not in its usual spot as the season finale. There's a lot of fans that are upset about that. Our good buddy, Doug Maurice from cleveland.com feels very strongly that it should remain as the season finale. Our, our friend, Mr. Gallagher, circulated some information over text to the group earlier this uh, the, today. I don't know if you saw it. What he's hearing is that the rationale for putting Michigan where they did was that should the start of the season be delayed or they have to really postpone or even cancel games early on, that game is a little later in the schedule. So if there is a later start to the season, well, then they do get that game in. And also, if they need to push it back, you've got two additional open dates where you can move that game, November the 14th and November the 28th. So they landed apparently on putting it right in the middle, just in case. why, Why does that matter? I mean, I, I understand, uh, you know, the, the first four teams or, or I mean, all, all the teams in the first four games, they're playing each other and then right. you can move them back. But who cares? Right. I mean, the fact that you're putting it smack dab in the middle of the season, it, it, it's, it's almost as if they took it and they made it less relevant. Which is just preposterous to me, right? <laughs> like to Doug's point, then just leave it the last game of the season, right? Right? You, you you're moving the season up. You're giving yourself this flexibility. You just took the most important game of your conference by far, by a factor of five, and you just made it a run of mill game on October twenty fourth. Well, it's uh, idiotic. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's idiotic. My contention with respect to the Michigan game is it's right where it belongs, given the way they performed against Ohio State for the last twenty years. Put it into the middle of the schedule. The most important game on the schedule is the Penn State game, in my opinion. And that's toward the end of the schedule, which maybe it's taken Michigan's play. It's actually the last Big Ten yeah, East opponent you're, they play. You're played. just a victim of the Twitter universe, what you <laughs> see right in front of you right now. You're not paying any attention to tradition and history. And yes, there's no, no question that Penn State is a much better game, especially on paper for the last 10 years, however, or t- you know, whatever. But 
it's just, it's still Michigan. And you could have done something pretty cool. And they just, they let a great opportunity just slip right through their fingers. All right. Point Anyways, taken. I'm done. I don't need to rant on it anymore. It's just, <laughs> well, it's, we'll, we'll get to Michigan a little later here in the pod because we are going to cover that game. So we'll get, we'll get more, more of your views on the Michigan matchup then. My take macro level, while it's a bummer to lose the Oregon game, I think top to bottom, this revised schedule has more intrigue for me than the original. You lose the meaningless payday games with Bowling Green and Buffalo, and you replace them with a pretty juicy road matchup with Purdue in West Lafayette, where Ohio State has really struggled to win over the last 20 years. Um, I also think the Big Ten was smart to build in three open dates into every school's schedule. In the case of Ohio State, you got the open date October 3rd and November 14th, and then everybody has November the 20th. Eighth as an open date, uh, should they need to use them. And then there's also flexibility with the Big Ten championship game, which is great, right? Originally scheduled for the fifth, but can go as late as the 19th if need be. The other macro level observation or question for me is, how will the absence of large crowds impact these games? It's really hard to say. I mean, it could work either way for or against you. These are uncharted waters. You and I, personally, in our lifetimes, we don't have a precedent for this. So it'll be really interesting to see how the absence of large crowds, whether it be on the road or in the shoe, has on some of these games. We might very well look back at some of these games and say, there was no crowd. It was a sleepy noon kick. No juice for this game. And now Ohio State finds themselves in a street fight with, you know, Nebraska or, or or Indiana, somebody like that. So yeah, those are my macro level kind of observations of the schedule. Well, so have they set how many? I mean, it's basically a state by state mandate, right. which you know, again, it's just the layers of this whole thing are very very interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, I thought I read somewhere that Illinois said they could have what fifteen thousand or something. Oh, okay, is that right? All right. Yeah, but but really, it comes down to the governor of each individual state of yeah, how it, many mm-hmm. fans can be um, in the stadium. And I and you're right. And the obvious one is Penn State. Like that's a huge advantage. That's huge. State. We talked about that. Yeah, you pointed that out back in May. Yeah, is a huge factor, Oregon, right? Huge. I mean. Um, you know, the whiteout at night, like every single time, it's just a ridiculously, you know, tough environment to play in. Oh yeah. Uh, Huge. I mean, it's worth what a touchdown. Yeah. You would think. I, I, yeah. 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 It's what usually home field is three points. I give that, yeah, you know, maybe not a touchdown, but I might give it four and a half or five. Yeah. That's a big freaking deal. It is a big deal. Um, you know, and I think, I think you'll get a good vibe for that question right off the get go on Thursday night in, in Champaign. I think that's a pretty intriguing matchup at night. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if there's some folks there. And as we talked about before, the, the wind is howling at 92 miles. An hour <laughs> pretty interesting. Yeah. So I've got a, I got a little bit of a trivia question for you as we move toward the Ohio state 2020 revised schedule after Michigan, which school has the most all time wins against Ohio state? Um, I'm going to say Illinois. It's Illinois. Yes, sir. Uh, Ohio State leads the all-time series with the Illini, who they face off with Thursday night, September the 3rd. That's less than a month away. I mean, we're less than a month away from the opener. It's awesome. That's awesome. Ohio State leads this series 69 to 30 with three ties. This game is for the coveted Illibuck Trophy. 
The Buckeyes have won the last nine in a row. The Fighting Illini's last win in this series, as we discussed back in May, was the infamous 2007 Juice Williams game in the shoe when Illinois beat us when we were number one in the country. Lovey Smith squad is coming off a respectable six and seven campaign, fourth place finish in the Big Ten West. According to Phil Steele's 2020 college football preview, I actually got the magazine right here next to me. Illinois returns 14 starters, nine on offense, including starting quarterback Brandon Peters, pretty good quarterback, Michigan transfer, five on defense. Uh, we remember Illinois' big upset last year over number six, Wisconsin. They had a big 25-point comeback, win over Michigan State in East Lansing. They they took Michigan down to the wire, Came had a big comeback in that game. We've talked about how Champaign is, uh, you know, a wind tunnel. But that's, you know, that's that tends to be in late November. Now this game is going to be played in nice summer weather uh, on September the 3rd. Paige, how do you see this one? And give me your Concernometer score. Let's fire up the Concernometer. Give <laughs> me your score. <laughs> yeah, seeing as I just spent uh, three weeks back in Chicago, it was lovely. Chicago is a lovely, <laughs> lovely place as long as you're there between June and uh, September. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I think... You know, the fact that in September, uh, definitely uh, it's perversely an advantage for Ohio State. Right. Um, uh, I, my concernometer on that game is, I got to be honest, man, I, it's pretty low. I, I, I give it about a two. I, two? I just, okay. Yeah, I think Ohio State is chomping at the bit. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think if I'm Illinois, you're like, you freaking kidding me? Yeah. Like we're starting with these guys on Thursday night. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So yeah, I'm a two. I'm not that. I'm not that worried. Yeah. Well, if you think when we looked at this game back in May, uh, it was originally scheduled to happen the week before Michigan in late November. So right. you got the weather, the wind tunnel yeah. factor, and then the potential look ahead game, the look ahead factor with Michigan looming the following week. I'm with you. My original concernometer score for this was a five and a half. I'm going to bring it down to a four just because weird shit happens in this stadium. I don't know what – it's not quite Ross-Aid Stadium, but just yeah. weird shit happens. And we've been over this. There's some really good teams that have gone in there over the years that have barely lived to tell about it. I'm going to give it a four, but I tend to agree with you kind of right out of the gates. Now, the one thing I will say, though, is you got a pretty good quarterback in Brandon Peters, pretty experienced. you got a young secondary. This is their the season opener. Right. Um, Seven Banks, Cameron Brown, Josh Proctor. I, I think they're going to be up to the task. Would it surprise me if this is a you know a reasonably good game for a couple quarters? No, it wouldn't. But I expect Ohio State to pull away and win convincingly. All right. Unless you got any more comments on Illinois, Mr. Nope. Van Horn, let's move forward. Rutgers, September the 12th. Are we even going to cover it? Uh, it's, yeah, concern over meter remains at zero. Actually, the one thing I will say about this game, actually, my one big disappointment with this with the new schedule is that this game is still being played. I thought, they, <laughs> to, to your point, like Big Ten, you can be creative here. And it, it's, well, how so, could they not play it though? Like you're division. Let record, yeah, you're just going to kick them out of the conference. Why not? COVID, they're they're oh. COVID casualty. <laughs> exactly. Why not? I mean, the, the goddamn game serves no useful purpose, even in a normal season. But with the way Rutgers has handled the coronavirus so far, what do they have like thirty kids that are yeah. quarantined right now? This game might end up being postponed or canceled anyway. Right. This is a name your score game for Ohio State. My original considerometer score is zero. What's yours? Uh, minus two. Minus I'm, two. I'm going negative safety. <laughs> negative safety. All right. Next, September 19th. Here we go. This is the 
addition to the Big Ten schedule, a trip to the freaking haunted house that is Ross Aid Stadium in West Lafayette against the Purdue Boilermakers. Ohio State leads this series 40 to 15 with two ties. However, since 2000, the Buckeyes are three and five against Purdue in Ross Aid Stadium. And in fact, the Boilermakers are tied with Penn State as the Big Ten opponent with the most wins over Ohio State since 2000. Yeah, we remember the last two time, the last time these two teams met, 2018, a devastating 49 to 20 Buckeye loss at the hands of the Boilermakers in Ross Aid. It was one of the most putrid performances I've ever witnessed in my 40 years as an Ohio State fan. The Buckeye defense was utterly flummoxed by freshman wideout Rondale Moore, who lit him up for 170 yards receiving two touchdowns. The Buckeye offense, despite amassing 546 yards of total offense, could only muster 20 points. It's a terrible night to be a Buckeye fan. The Boilermakers are coming off a disappointing 4-8 2019 campaign in a fifth-place finish in the Big Ten West. According to Phil Steele, they returned 17 starters, 9 on offense, including Buckeye killer Rondale Moore, and 8 on defense. Steele has Purdue finishing sixth in the Big Ten West. He doesn't think much of them on paper. This is not a very good football team, but Paige... They get the Buckeyes in Ross Aid, man. And they have yep. the help of those little gremlins that live underneath the turf in the stadium. How do you right. see this one, buddy? So it's somewhat of an advantage uh, coming off the bye uh, against Rutgers. So that <laughs> might help. But I'm I'm man, I'm I am i am giving this a, a 6.5. I you know, there, there's always a game. Right. There always is a game every season. And I think, again, this is going to be the game. It's kind of like, you know, like we all know, like, oh, it's going to be a letdown. So they're going to be ready for that. Or, you know, uh, it's a look ahead game. Got to be ready for that. Right. But it doesn't really matter because even though the coaches know it and they talk about it, and I'm sure Ryan Day is going to bring up, you know, two years ago ad nauseum. Right. There's just something weird about it. Yeah. And it's a haunted you know, house. Yeah, that stadium. 17 starters and, you know, Rondale White. And the other thing I would say is they did have a very disappointing season last year, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's a little tougher to perform and there's expectations, probably not as many this year. Right. So I, 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 I'm legitimately concerned at a 6.5. That's funny. That's my score as well, 6.5. And that's historical respect for how difficult it is to win there. You know, being long in the tooth. As I am, I remember some disappointing performances that go all the way back to the 80s uh, in that stadium. So, uh, yeah, I'm concerned about this one. Uh, I'm going to put the Buckeyes on a mild upset alert here, September the 19th in Ross-Aid Stadium. Okay, let's move forward. September the 26th, Indiana comes to the shoe. High State leads this series 76-9 with four ties. It's been a while since Indiana's beaten Ohio State. All you got to go all the way back to John Cooper's first year with the program that was 1988. But Indiana's been a pesky opponent for Ohio State over the last eight or nine years. Last year wasn't much of a contest. The Buckeyes blew them out in Bloomington 51 to 10, but that was a bit of an anomaly because it has been a pretty competitive series over the last eight or nine years. According to Phil Steele, Indiana returns 17 starters, eight on offense nine on defense, and that's from a team that turned in one of the best seasons in program history last year. The Hoosiers finished 8-5 and in 2019. That was their best finish since 1993. What concerns me, they got a good dual-threat quarterback named Michael Penix Jr. We didn't get to face him last year because he was injured. 
He's healthy this year. He's a bit of a wild card, right? We saw what an athletic quarterback did to Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. I'm not going to compare him to Trevor Lawrence, but, you know, dual threat quarterbacks are, are dangerous against good defenses. Uh, Paige, how do you see this one? Yeah, that guy can play. And Indiana's, it, it, it seems like they're always around, like they're always in the game, but then you look at the final score and most years they end up losing by, you know, four touchdowns. But you never really feel that comfortable, um, or at least in the last few years. So, right. um, yeah, with Penix and that many returning starters, it's coming. I, I'm relatively concerned about that one. I give it a 5.5. 5.5. So this is interesting. The schedule makers did Indiana no favors. If you look at their revised schedule, they open with Wisconsin on the road. Penn State at home, they get Illinois, and then they get Ohio State. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Wisconsin, true. Penn State, and Ohio State all within the first month. They may very well be one and two, potentially 0 and three by the time they play Ohio State, but still a very dangerous opponent. So I'm with you. Uh, I th- I'm going to put Ohio State on a mild upset alert uh, for the second week in a row against the Hoosiers. Last, my Concernometer score was 5.0 when we looked at this originally back in May. I'm going to keep it at a five, putting the Buckeyes on a, on a mild upset alert. Uh, we've been joined by our good buddy, Mr. Mike Corcoran. How you doing, Mike? Doing all right. All right. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Mike's tuning in from Jacksonville. We've already started breaking down the schedule, Mike, and we're just going to we're going to fold How you in gators here. gators look, dude? What's up? You could give us a gator scouting report? <laughs> the gators. Yeah, you know, they are going to do, they're talking about doing the, um, you know, the Florida Georgia cocktail party. And I guess you're not allowed to call it that anymore. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that October thing in the Gator Bowl, they want to keep that. And um, I don't know, maybe they'll, it's a conference game. So I think they're going to do that. All so right. Hopefully Jacksonville will get that game. All right. Well, we'll save that for the Florida Gator podcast uh, sometime down the line. Mike, while you're here, while we're on the Indiana game, we want to get your Concernometer score for this game. The Concernometer, zero to 10, zero, not concerned, 10, very concerned. Indiana visits Columbus. How do you see that game and give us your Concernometer score for that one? My Concernometer is going to come in pretty low. All right. the Indiana game um, it's in Columbus. I'm going to put it at about a 2.5. 2.5 for you. Okay. Before you, you land on your final score and we just went over this, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some more, a little data here to, to inform your pick. Indiana returns 17 starters, pretty experienced team. This is from an eight and five team last year. Their best finish since 1993. They've got a good dual threat quarterback named Michael Penix Jr. Who was injured last year when we played him, he's going to be healthy this year. You still think with that, all that experience, a good quarterback coming to the shoe, you only give him, what, a 2.5? Uh, you know, I haven't seen this kid play uh, yet. I don't know. Does he um, – I, I guess that would change things. If we didn't see him last year, he's coming back, mm-hmm. turning 17 starters. Lot. I think that's the most still returning the- experience in the conference, actually, Indiana. They have the most returning experience of any team in the conference. Yeah. Yeah, they, you know, they always give us a game. We always play them early. Well, yeah. in the last couple of years, yeah. we've played them early. They've played us tight. Um, it was all, it was a, a one-score game going into the fourth quarter for 
at least three of the four uh, last years, maybe more. Yeah, I don't think it was quite that close, but there have been some close games. I mean, in 2015 and 2017, Indiana led in the half at the half in both of those games. High State ended up pulling away. Uh, Well, the 2015, Indiana was lining up for the game-winning touchdown within the last minute or two of the game, and Ohio State held. That was a really, really tight game. But no, to your point, it's actually been a pretty competitive game, a three-quarter game at least, and then they seem to just kind of run out of gas in the fourth quarter. But, right. Yeah. yeah. That's um, basically what I'm seeing uh, okay. again this year. All right. So, so I, I, I have a, a trivia question, if I may interject. Please there, do. Please do. Yeah. 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 Mr. Moore, uh, <laughs> specifically for Mr. Corcoran. Who's yeah. the head coach of Indiana? Who's the head coach of Indiana? <laughs> <laughs> because candidly, I have no effing idea. <laughs> I, is this a trick question? Is no, he a, it's, it's, like it's a, a trivia question. You know, Ohio State alum, or is he are like? I mean, I know we got. Just answer the question. Who's the head coach? Do you know or not? I don't know. <laughs> Who is it, Zach? Uh, Tom Allen, and he's actually done a pretty good job. Tom Allen yeah. has. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, I think so. All right, so Mike, you're, you're not concerned about the game. Sounds like what two two point five is your. Um, your concernometer score for this one? Oh, yeah. Let's go up to a three. All right. Up to, up a, to three. a three. Okay. I mean, it doesn't cause for a whole lot of concern. All right. You're not concerned. Yeah. I heard I th- you say you're an upset alert. Mild, um, mild upset alert for me. over a five? Yeah. Paige, where, where'd you land on this one again? Remind me. Uh, I was a five. A five. Okay, great. Okay. October 3rd, the following week. That's another open date on the Ohio State schedule just to add for flexibility. In case Ohio State has to move one of the earlier games into that slot. October 10th, Nebraska, Cornhuskers come to the shoe. Ohio State is 7-1 all-time against the Huskers. 5-1 since Nebraska joined the Big Ten. The Buckeyes have won five in a row against the Huskers. Nebraska's only win in this series came all the way back in 2011 in Lincoln, and that was against you know interim head coach Luke Fickle during the throwaway season. Scott Frost's squad is coming off a super disappointing fifth-place finish in the Big Ten West at five and seven, remember they were the chic pick last year to win the the West. After a three and one start, they finished the 2019 season losing six of their last eight. According to Phil Steele, Nebraska returns 15 starters, 10 on offense, five on defense. They bring quarterback Adrian Martinez back, leading rusher Diedrich Mills, versatile sophomore receiver H-back Wandale Robinson also returns. They lose their leading receiver though, J.D. Spielman. He actually transferred to TCU. Paige, at the time we did the pod back in mid-May, we weren't sure what was going to happen with Spielman. He had taken a leave from the program. Nobody knew what his status was. He ended up entering the transfer portal, and now he's at TCU. Remember the last time Nebraska came to Columbus? That was 2018. Huskers made it a good game well into the fourth quarter. The Buckeyes escaped with a 36-31 win. On the original schedule, this game was supposed to be played the week after Penn State, which I think kind of informed our our scores on this one our concern scores on this one mike i'm going to kick this one to you to start why don't you let me know how you see this game and give us a score yeah nebraska just um they just don't scare me that much at all anymore i i don't forgot about the 2018 game where they did we looked pretty sluggish and they Hmm. they um it was a one score game which was kind of an aberration with them. I mean, we just keep, we seem to be blowing them out all the time. They don't even seem to show up for us. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And I think the Nebraska game that that season in 2018 was the week after they got throttled by Purdue. 
So Ohio State was just kind of in a fog that day. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Everyone thinks Frost is – is um, maybe this is his year. Yeah. He, they certainly paid a lot, and, and it was a big uh, – um, a whole big festive thing to bring him into back to Lincoln. Right. And uh, he's just – I think he's going to be on the hot seat if he does not perform. He's got to do something, but yeah. he just I just don't see them bringing in enough talent to compete you know, yeah. for four quarters against us. They'd have to have a – something would have to go seriously wrong. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. So what's, what's your your score on the concernometer for this one? Um, I will go a little higher than Indiana just because it's, you know, in Nebraska, they have more than a puncher's chance and, you know, I'll give them a four. A four. Okay. Paige, how do you see this one? So I'm going to steal a page out of your book, Zach. So (laughs) they play Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, then Ohio State. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And Ohio State is coming off a bye. Uh, into this game, by the way, just yeah. to add your point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty brutal. And I'm not a believer in Martinez. Mm-hmm. That guy, he can make some plays, like a high, highlight reel, but I just don't think he has the goods, uh, you know, for four quarters to to beat a, a team like a high state. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually pretty low on that. I'm I'm a two. Yeah. Not, yeah. I'm not that concerned. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't. I don't know that he has. He's a good athlete. Yeah, Martinez is, but I don't think he's got the arm talent. And that's what you're going to need to beat this team, right? You're going to have to beat him down the field, just dropping dimes, right? And and I don't think he's got that ability. As I mentioned, Ohio State's coming off a bye now. Originally, when this game was scheduled, this was supposed to be the week after the Penn State game, and I my I, I had a slightly higher concern on me to score for this one because I thought. I said it might come out a little flat, you know, after a big game, yeah. a big emotional game at Penn State. I, I'm with you, though. Uh, my score is at two. I think Ohio State rolls. I just don't think well, Nebraska's and, got the defense. Contrary to what Corkman just said, they gave the guy an extension last year. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's he's going to be the coach there until, you know, 2030. Like, like who's coming after Scott Frost? I mean, you know, yeah. the whole the, – I remember reading that and I'm just like, well, what are these, you know, ADs thinking? Like, this is stupidity. I, I mean, you know, I guess who else would Nebraska get? He's got the Nebraska, you know, bloodlines there. I, I think he probably is a good coach. The issue, I'm sure, has got to be 95% just talent, right? They've got no natural resources in Nebraska, no prep talent in their own backyard. And, you know, what Tom Osborne was able to do for all those years is go to California and go to other Texas and bring kids in. Yeah, the honeymoon is over for Scott Frost, I think. And I think he's lost some of the the fairy dust uh, on, on him that uh, everyone was so enamored with him. But but we'll see. I don't, uh, you know, but I'm with you. Concern on me to score for me, two, 2.0. Okay, let's move to October the 17th. This is a trip to East Lansing to face Michigan State. Ohio State leads this series all-time, 33-14. The Buckeyes have won the last four matchups, including a 34-10 win in the shoe last season. Of course, we know that after 13 seasons in East Lansing, head coach Mark D'Antonio is gone. He, that He's given way to uh, new head coach Mel Tucker, who comes from Colorado. 
Uh, Mel Tucker, very respected assistant coach. He's spent some time under Jim Trestle at Ohio State, spent some time under Nick Saban at uh, Alabama. I think a lot of people think he's a pretty good coach. According to Phil Steele, Michigan State only returns 10 starters, seven on offense and only three on defense. Three-year starting quarterback Brian Lewerke is gone. Michigan State loses their two leading receivers, Cody White, Daryl Stewart Jr. On defense, Mel Tucker is going to have to replace defensive end Kenny Willekes, defensive tackle Ray Quan Williams. Both of those players are off to the NFL. They accounted for 15 sacks and 23 tackles for loss for the Michigan State Spartans last year. Joe Bocci's gone, really good linebacker for them. Their top cornerback, Josiah Scott, also gone. 2020, to me, looks like a rebuilding year for Mel Tucker. The game's in East Lansing. Paige, going to kick it over to you. How do you see this one? Give me your score. So uh, anecdotally, whoever put together the eye chart, right, with the schools and who they play uh-huh. is genius. Yeah. Like, this is, like, well, why, why am I only learning about this now? Or why didn't somebody, you know, come up with this earlier? So take a look at that schedule. I mean, they – now, granted, they're coming off a bye, but the Oof. two games before that are Penn State and Michigan, Brutal. and they've also got Minnesota and Northwestern in there. Compared to high state schedule coming into this game, that's murderous row. Yeah. yeah. Um, so normally, I, you know, without looking at that, I'd have given this eh, maybe a maybe a five, but mm. I'm I'm really only about a three because it's his first year. It's Tucker's first year. Yeah. There's going to be a rebuilding phase mm-hmm. and they're going to be pretty banged up coming into that game. They just have to be. Now they do get a buy, so that should help, but still I'm only putting out of three. Yeah. They're going to be pretty beat up. I, I tend to agree with you. That's a good observation on the schedule. Mike, how do you see this one? Uh, I'm going to go a bit higher. Um, Michigan State's always, we, we, even last year, 34 to 10, we didn't really pull away, I believe, until somewhere in the third quarter. And then we, you know, it turned into from a tight game. I think, what was it, 10 nothing at half, something like that? Yeah, it was and a close game. Seven. 17 7 or something like that. Yeah. It was a. Yeah. And um, we, we pulled away, but that was in Columbus. This isn't in East Lansing. They always play us. Well, we, we've had some tight, tight games there. And we could be caught looking ahead a little bit maybe we don't take them that seriously maybe they're a rebuilding year or whatever but they can um they always seem to you know they can catch us well when we're not uh not ready for them okay so i'm not gonna say i'm real overly concerned but i would put it um above a five i this is wow. uh, an upset uh watch game wow okay okay all right i 5.5 5.5 for you. Okay. Yeah. You know, as I said, I think, you know, five years ago, this would look like a much scarier game, especially right before Michigan. Um, and, yeah. and I do think Mel Tucker is a good coach. I, I think if he's given enough time to do it, he could reshape Michigan State into that damn thorn in Ohio State's side that they were circa 2013, 2015. And he he's going to recruit. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. He can recruit. He's, you know, he's got the pedigree, man. He's, he's watched some of the best do it as an assistant coach. I, I have respect for him. It's going to take him a few years to get there, though. New quarterback, brand new defense. I mean, they've lost eight starters on defense. I understand the games in East Lansing, but my concernometer is at the four, at four, and that's out of kind of historical respect for what Michigan State has done in this series. But I expect Ohio State to win this one comfortably. Okay, let's move on to the controversial. October 24th, Michigan-Ohio State matchup. Now, this has got a lot of people all hot and bothered. 
Uh, whether you're a fan who thinks this game belongs at the end of the schedule, no matter what, or if you're like Paige who thinks this should have been in it right at the very beginning, let's start with a bang. This game is happening October 24th. It's the first time since 1942 that this game is not the season finale for Ohio State. By the way, Ohio State won the national championship that year. So maybe this bodes well for them. It's hard to believe Michigan still leads this series 58 to 51 with six ties. Ohio State has won the last eight, 17 to the last 19. As we all know, Jim Harbaugh's 0-5 against Ohio State since becoming Michigan's head coach in 2015. Against Harbaugh, Ohio State's averaging 44 points per game, winning by an average margin of 19. We know about the recent results, 62-39 in 2018, 56-27 in 2019. This looks like a rebuilding season for Harbaugh. According to Phil Steele, Michigan returns only 11 starters, five on offense, six on defense. They're really gutted on defense. They lose their top three tacklers, linebackers, Kalik Hudson, Jordan Glasgow, safety, Josh Metellus, their top pass rusher, Josh Uche, and top cornerback, LaVert Hill, are all gone. By the way, they lose their starting quarterback, uh, Shea Patterson. He's gone. Dylan McCaffrey, Joe Milton are expected to battle for that job. I don't know if anyone's all excited about either of those two guys. Maybe one of them can play. I don't know. Not sure how much help Harbaugh is going to get from his 14th rated 2020 freshman class. Mike, going to kick it to you. How do you see this one? Give me your concernometer score. If I have a, any, if anything registers on the concernometer at all, it's the the idea, the, the notion that the game won't actually get played. That's the only concern <laughs> that I have. You know, it's halfway into, you know, it's latter part of October, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this. We've, we've talked about it on other episodes, or you guys have. But if who knows what's going to happen at that point in the season, and mm-hmm. I'm just worried that the game won't actually go off. But if it does, um, yeah, I, I just don't think this is the year Michigan's going to gain any ground on us. Um, there's just too much going on. It's in Columbus. There's just too much going against them. And uh, I just, I just don't see how they can, um, they have half the team and we're bringing back almost, you know, we still got all, all our big guys and, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it just doesn't add up. Right. And it used to be that, you know, you could throw all that out the window in this rivalry, you know, records, whatever. And you, couldn't even think about making a prediction months in advance. <laughs> That's but, true. Um, now, you know, as long as this game plays out, I, my, this is a very, very low on a concern. That's what's the score. I, I would put it at a, um, a, a 1.5. Wow. 1.5. Wow. Yeah, okay. Just, um, something right. is just going to go wrong for them again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Paige. Yeah, it's it's it is. I mean, we debated this and argued about it. And you're like the rivalry's dead, and the know, death rattle. Guess, we're we're hearing the death rattle. I don't know if it's dead yet, but I think that we're 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 in the we're in the midst of the death rattle. It truly is. And when we did this the first time, I mean, it, it it's amazing, but it literally might be the the least concerned I am of any game on the schedule. Like, right. You could make an argument like outside of Rutgers mm-hmm. um, I, and maybe Nebraska. Like I, I'm Michigan would be the third least team I'm worried about, which wow. is just uh, abomination. 
by you, Michigan. Like, get your <laughs> shit together. Um, I, I mean, I'll give it a 1.5, but I'm literally like at a zero, like for everything that Mike said. And the fact that you got a guy like Justin Fields, and I don't know, it was like maybe reading too much into stuff. The kid's from Georgia, and like all he wants to do is beat Michigan's ass. Like he, <laughs> he's only been there, he hasn't even been in Columbus for 14 months, and he's all about it. It's just, it is a different level. Michigan's got way too much going against them. I mean, it would take an act of God for them to come in and pull it off. I'm going I'm in a, what did I say? One, 1. 1.5? Is it a 1.5? Concernometer score for this game, 1.5, and yet you are pissed off it wasn't moved to the front of the schedule. I know. It's, it makes no sense. You're right. But still, it's still a big game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. Just, just because I'm not concerned doesn't mean, though, that it doesn't have a storied place in college football. It, it does. doesn't mean, it. no matter what, you and I and, and everybody in Buckeye Nation will still be you know, have butterflies in our stomach That's for true. that game, which you don't for these other teams. Yeah. So, you know, it is sort of, you know, nonsensical. So I, I, I not I really, I mean, if it started earlier in the season, we know it would get played. Whereas at this point in October, there's, Every week that passes is a less of a chance that. Um, well, that's the other that point. Games, that games yeah, happen. No, I mean you're right. I mean there's this Pavlovian condition response I have when when I see those winged helmets and the, the game starts, my my palms start sweating and my heart rate goes up, and I get nervous and and I get irritable and 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 I'm sure I'll be that way even though I'm talking shit right now and I think the rivalry's dead. We're in the we're in the midst of the death rattle. Once they kick this game off, of course, I'm going to be nervous. I, I can't help it. I've got, you know, 40 years of conditioning. But uh, it's hard to imagine the result being any different than what we've seen over the last five seasons under Harbaugh. I mean, the game returns to Columbus. I know there's going to be, what, 20% of the fans, if that, in the stands. But Michigan has won a game in the shoe in 20 years. Ohio State has bigger goals than beating Michigan right now, guys. And th this game is merely a speed bump on the way to those goals. And... I'm going to treat this game with Michigan as such until Michigan can string together a couple of wins in this series. I, they got to earn it back. You got to earn your status back in this rivalry. They've just been, they've been a, a disappointment. My concernometer score for this is a 4.0. That's out of historical respect for what this rivalry once was. But I still think Ohio State wins convincingly in this one. All right, let's move to Halloween. October the 31st, Ohio State now travels to Maryland to square off with the Terrapins. Ohio State is 6-0 all-time against the Terps. This series has been almost as laughable as Rutgers, as save for the, the 2018 overtime debacle, which we all remember. Maryland's coming off a disappointing 3-9 finish in 2019, sixth in the Big Ten East. They returned 12 starters, seven on offense, five on defense. Now, Mike Loxley got a huge commitment from quarterback Talia Tungavailoa. He's the younger brother of Tua, who transferred from Alabama. Tonga Bailoa was a top 20 prospect, the fifth rated dual threat quarterback in the 2019 class, according to 24-7 Sports. However, he was not able to get a waiver to play this season. He's going to have to sit out. Hard to imagine this game being anything close to the 2018 overtime debacle. Anthony McFarlane, the, the running back who lit us up that day, is gone. Paige, how do you see this one? Give us your score. Yeah, I kind of want to give it a higher score, and then you talk me down. That. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, coming off of Michigan on the road, thinking back two years, mm. and you know who knows what you're going to get with them. Um, but again, I, 
you know, I'm going to give it a three and that's double what I'm worried about with Michigan. So we don't do that. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand. It, it makes no sense to me. Um, it should probably be less, but I'm, you know, I'm going to give it a three. Okay. Well, you make a good point. The fact that it comes after Michigan, you know, especially if it does turn into actually a really good game, an emotional game. Mike, how do you see this one? Yeah, I think the fact that it falls after Michigan and before, um, you know, some of the other big games we've got. Penn State. November. Before Penn State. Yeah. Right. Um, so this could be one of those classic um, blow off games. Just look ahead. Falling games, asleep, yeah. Total flat. Mm-hmm. Coming down from a big win and looking ahead to another big game. We can just completely forget about it. And Maryland, you know, they are. They do sometimes show – they're not Rutgers. They show flashes mm-hmm. of, of hanging with teams, you know. They don't do it for long, but they usually have a, a couple of good games where they look like they can run with people. Yeah. Yeah, and, they generally um, have really good skill talent. Like they always yeah. have a couple guys that are really good. They go off to the NFL and, and can do some things. Yeah. So so just on that and where it falls and, and the fact that they um, – they're a little bit better than uh, some of the other teams. I will put my concern on me. I'll say, what'd you say, Paige? Three and a half? Uh, three. Three? I will go with um, a four. A four for you. Okay. You know, I didn't really think about it when I when I thought about my updated score. I didn't think, I didn't really notice that it was between Michigan and Penn State, kind of sandwiched in between those two big games. And, and it's only because where this game falls on the schedule that I'm going to bump up my score to 2.0. I, I don't think the Maryland, I don't think Maryland's going to have any hope of stopping Ohio State defensively. Maybe they get a slightly diminished Ohio State team coming off of Michigan, perhaps looking ahead to Penn State. Maybe Ryan Day has shown certainly last year Ryan Day showed this that he was able to keep his team really focused on the task at hand, not looking ahead, but 2.0 might might have been a higher score if, if Tonga Bailoa were eligible and could play right away, but he's going to have to sit out a year. So 2.0 for me. Okay. Let's move forward. November the 7th. This is the game I think we're all pointing to. We've all circled on the schedule. This is a trip to Happy Valley to square off with Penn State. Ohio State leads this series 21 to 13. 19 and 8 since Penn State joined the Big Ten in 1993. Now there's two major questions that have a huge bearing on how this game plays out. Paige, you identified this one way back in May when we talked about it, which is how many fans are going to be allowed in Beaver Stadium? I did a little research. I wasn't able to find an exact number or percentage of fans, but a recent piece on Penn State's 24-7 affiliate site indicated that Beaver Stadium's capacity will be, quote, dramatically lowered in 2020. However many fans they do allow to attend, it's a good bet the crowd is just not going to be the factor that it normally is in that game. And the second question should be the status of star linebacker Micah Parsons. As we've already mentioned, there are reports that Parsons plans to opt out of the 2020 seasons. That would be a huge loss for Penn State. I think he's going to be, I think he would have been the best defensive player in the country. So those are two major questions Penn State is facing. Still, this should be a hell of a game. Ohio State's toughest test of the season pretty much every year has been Penn State since James Franklin got there in 2014. Mike, I'm going to start with you. How do you see this game? Give us a concernometer score. Yeah, it's it's so hard to 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 think about it when you're going. When you think going to Happy Valley, you automatically think, oh boy, 
here we go the white out <laughs> crowd it's you know they've got it going on it definitely is the hardest place to play for us right in the big 10 but this whole year has changes everything mm-hmm and so, it, you know, is it just like it's maybe like playing on a practice field? And the only it's gonna be uh, weird advantage is that we don't have to get on a bus. They don't have to get on a bus, right? Know, we're traveling. Um, so when you consider that, um, but you know, Penn State they've they've got to be just um, chomping and drooling trying to get another crack at us because they've had some pretty good cracks at us in the oh, last yeah. couple of years. We've come from behind. Um, what? Couple yeah. times, yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me years. let me go through the results. Twenty fourteen, yeah. that was a game that went to double overtime in Happy Valley. Ohio State wins. That wasn't a very good Penn State team, but Ohio State wins it in double overtime. That Ohio State team went on to win the national championship. Two thousand sixteen, Penn State wins a thriller in that game. They go on to win the Big Ten title. Twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, Ohio State overcomes double digit deficits in the fourth quarter to win both of those games. And then last year, Penn State erases a twenty one nothing. Buckeye lead to push that game well into the fourth quarter. By the way, I forgot to mention, uh, they're coming off an 11-2 and two finish last year, second place in the Big Ten East. Phil Steele says they returned 13 starters, eight on offense, five on defense. We know they've got their starting quarterback, Sean Clifford, back. We weren't really overly impressed with Clifford last year, but he does bring some experience. Uh, their leading rusher from last year, Journey Brown, is back. Now, Micah Parsons isn't going to return for them, unfortunately. But that gnarly safety, Lamont Wade, he was the guy that forced all those fumbles. Remember, he he hit Justin Fields crossing the goal line, forced a fumble. He's back. They've got a pretty good defensive end in Shaka Tony coming back. He was second on the team in sacks. So with all that said, give me your concernometer score for this game, Mike. Um, I'll, my clock's in at about a seven. You know, I'm not, I'm not um, too – too intimidated by them. I mean, they, they do have, they can play with us and they've proven that. Okay. Um, over the last couple of years. So um, this is going to be, it's probably be the best game if, you know, assuming everybody's um, basically full strength. Yeah. Uh, but I think this will be the, the game of the season, but um, you know, we should be able, we, we still do um, out beat them on, just on paper, you know, with talent yeah. and wise and all that. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. I would agree with that. There. I would agree with that page. Yeah, I, man, the, the Micah Parsons thing is huge because I just I think it speaks to the psyche of the team, and I think the wheels not not the wheels would come off, but when your best player doesn't want to play, I mean, it would take a heroic coaching effort to mm-hmm. to keep a team focused. Mm-hmm. That's um, a good point. You know, throughout a season, and especially, you know, with a high state coming in, and then I think about you know. Cause I was originally about an eight and then I thought, well, if Parsons isn't playing. What's that worth? Point, point and a half yeah. takes me down to a six, but then I think you kind of overlook things. Right. And it's like, okay, well on my team, I have Justin Fields and on their team, they have Sean Clifford. Yeah, so huge. why am I fucking worried? <laughs> why am I worried? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, and, and we don't need to talk about it anymore, but the loss of, you know, not having 110,000 people is a gigantic factor. Huge. Yeah. So I, I'm going to take it down pretty low. I'm I'm going to I'm going to go exceptionally low on this. I'm and I I'll probably be proven wrong, but I'm about I'm a I'm a four. Well, you're a four. What's the line on this game? Do you think, given the circumstances, let's assume Par- Parsons is unavailable. Twenty percent, fifteen percent of the fans, whatever the percentage turns out to be, what would you what would you say the line would be in that game page? 
So hold on. What? Now I lost where the dumb schedule is. Who is? Is would Penn State be under? They'd be undefeated at that point. I would think. Yeah. So let's see if if we look at Penn State. Yeah. uh, They're coming. So that could be a huge thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, say we're both undefeated. Um, Ohio State Parsons. Is Parsons out? You said there are reports that he is going to opt out. No, I don't I mean think in it's our yet. fantasy world. Oh yes, yeah, line. yeah. In this scenario, no Micah Parsons and what 20, 20 percent of the fans yeah, in the I'd stands. Yeah, I'd say Ohio. I'm I'm saying Ohio State five. Five point. Five point. And this yeah, this game un- favorite. Under normal circumstances, right? When we looked at this game back in in May, I think you called it a coin flip. Yeah, and no, and I would agree with that actually. Uh, that we were yeah. both in agreement. I'm going to give it a seven. I'm still concerned, but I'm knocking two points off. I said uh, my original score was nine point oh. I'm going to give it a seven because Franklin has a way of of getting these guys up for this game, and he has a way. But who knows? Maybe he could even rally these kids behind the absence of Micah Parsons. They still have some guys who can play. So I, I would not be surprised if this is a competitive game. But yeah, this is more kind of, you strip the crowd away, you strip the white out away, and it's just talent versus talent on a what would be almost a neutral field, really. You gotta give the the advantage right. to Ohio State in that one. Seven seven point oh for me. I still think it's gonna be a great game. I, I agree with you, Mike. I think it's probably Ohio State's still Ohio State's toughest game on the schedule. And we'll probably determine who wins the Big Ten East and, and represents that division in the, in the Big Ten title game. The following week, November 14th, is another open date. And then Ohio State's season finale, November the 21st, very weird to say, November the 21st at home in the shoe against Iowa. Ohio State leads the all-time series with the Hawkeyes 47-15 to 15 with three ties. We all painfully remember the last meeting. That was 2017. One of the worst all-time performances that I've ever seen from an Ohio State team. That was an inexplicable 55-24 loss to the Hawkeyes in Iowa City that cost Ohio State a playoff spot. Uh, That game is going to live in Buckeye infamy for me as one of the three or four worst losses in program history, along with the 2018 Purdue game. It's weird. Within a year of each other, two of the worst losses in Ohio State history happened, both by eventual Big Ten championship teams. I'll just never understand what the hell happened in those games. Iowa's coming off a pretty competitive 10-3 and campaign, a third-place finish in the Big Ten West. They destroyed USC in the Holiday Bowl. They returned 12 starters, seven on offense, five on defense. Now, they do lose their three-year starter at uh, QB, Nate Stanley. Paige, this is, uh, <laughs> this, this is the guy you said it was more like a 15-year starter, uh, yeah, but actually it was... <laughs> It was actually only three. He's quarterback coach. Now. <laughs> yeah. and they also lose a really good offensive tackle in Tristan Wirfs. He's gone and star defensive end AJ Epines is gone. But I still expect Iowa to be very competitive in this game as they almost always are. Paige, going to kick it to you. This is the season finale. Tough as nails. Iowa Hawkeye team under Kirk Ferentz. They almost always seem to play as tough. How do you see this one? Again, this genius schedule they go penn state michigan state by wisconsin at ohio state (laughs) they're not running that gauntlet they're just not and i'm sorry i don't even know who their quarterback is i'm sure he's a stocky white you know corn huskin motherfucker (laughs) they're not beating ohio state i i'm I'm at it too it's not happening you're at it too okay ohio state is coming off a bye just as they would have been actually in the original schedule they were scheduled to play iowa off a bye earlier in the season so you got a two Two for yeah. Iowa. Yeah. The team that beat us 55-24 or three years, ruined our, ho- our playoff hopes. You're only giving them a two. 
All right. Okay. I mean, we're better than they are. We have better players. Well, that's true. I mean, Kirk Ferentz is keeping that that program together with duct tape and bubble gum at this point. Like God knows like who's even going to be coaching them by that. Yeah. So I'm not worried about it. Uh-huh. Not, not, not at the least, especially, especially because we'll be undefeated, everything to play for. Yeah. We're not losing that game. It's yeah. not happening. Game's in the shoe coming off a of bye. in the shoe. It's All not right. happening. Mike, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to clock in a little higher than a two. That, that's, Two twenty seventeen game uh, still scars from that game. I mean, mm-hmm. we did not see that coming. They, um, I, we never almost Iowa gives us a game, but we always handle business against Iowa. They haven't scared me since you know, um, you know the Chuck Long days in the eighties. Wow, that far know. back. Okay, <laughs> they, I mean, how many wins? The Ronnie Harmon really days. had. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember before 2017 when the right. last time. 2004. They did take us to overtime like maybe 2009, something they did. like That's that. That's right. They did. But we never really – we always seem to handle it as Iowa. But this is going to be a weird one. It's the last game of the season. Um, you know, don't forget. When we, we don't have our shoe. We don't have our fans either. So it's not much of an advantage to have them. I think there's just going to be some weird pressure on this, especially if we run the table and we got one more game and it's Iowa. It's going to feel weird. Yeah, no, I'm no. going to slightly below Penn State. I'm going to go six point five. Six point five for, for, for Iowa at home. Yeah, <laughs> I, we got blindsided before. I don't know how that happened, and I just have to leave out the possibility that it's Iowa that they know you, something that we don't. You, you, you could name three players on six <laughs> different college football teams. And I will bet you a thousand dollars. You couldn't name three players from, from Iowa. Doesn't matter though. Does those, those fans does teams matter. play as tough. It, they, they play as it tough. It does matter. <laughs> Paige, I'm mindful name of three. your <laughs> Paige, I'm mindful of your time. I know you got to bounce. So I'm going to give you guys my take real quick and concern on me to score. This is the season finale. And then we're done. Mike, you're not imagining things. Iowa plays us tough. They, they always do. 2009, it was a double overtime game in, in Columbus. We squeaked that one out. 2010, we play them. That was a really good Ohio State team. We get out of Kinnick with a 2017 win. We were dead to rights in that game. Had to win it last two minutes of the game. 2013, this is the last time Iowa came to Columbus. That was a 24-24 game going into the fourth quarter. That was an Ohio State team in 2013 that went undefeated in the regular season. And then, of course, we all remember the 2017 debacle in Kinnick where we got killed, ruined our season. I think the Big Ten, if they're smart, they want to create more interesting, more compelling interdivisional matchups. They should have Ohio State and Iowa play a little bit more often. My concernometer on this one is at a seven. Ference rolls into Columbus. Pardon me. He rolls into Columbus, uh, can play spoiler. Ohio State's looking ahead of the Big Ten title game. I'm a little concerned about this one. I got this one flagged in red in my notes. Seven for me on the concernometer. And that's it. We made it. Ten games. We'll see what happens if there's a Big Ten title game after that in Ohio State's future. We don't know. I'm just excited we got a schedule to talk about, guys. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.